The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. You are alone in an apartment in a vast urban sprawl. A rocking chair in the apartment above you starts to move, creaking across the floorboards. You hear all the electronics in your room go deathly silent. And then see two spectral figures phase through the wall, peeling back in front of you. And they say, Welcome to the Paranet Podcast with your hosts, me, Patrick Lunn, and me, Rob Davis. We have another excellent show for you guys. And some unfinished business with the mortal realm. We're going to be covering death masks today, or should that be death masks? (laughs) Uh, As well as talking a little bit about future plans for the Paranet podcast, uh, and uh, a little bit on just kind of... uh, us and stuff that we've been doing, reading, all that good stuff that you guys love. Uh, and then uh, we will be getting into the nitty gritty as we get into another four fabulous chapters of Death Mass. Extra fitting today because we have a Medusa like character. It's a little uh, taste for later. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, uh, getting over to para networking. Para networking, of course, is where we normally talk about stuff going on in the Dresden Files community. What is Jim Butcher doing? We don't stalk him because that would be bad, but uh, we do stalk him over the internet, which apparently is okay. Um, and at the moment, he seems to be working on another book, so we are uh, picking up other questions in the world of Dresden Files, uh, as well as talking a little bit about ourselves and other stuff that we're reading and stuff like that. Uh, So today we're just going to be talking a little bit about uh, what have we been reading, watching, that sort of thing. Uh, And then we're going to have a super special announcement. Uh, So Rob, what have you been reading recently? Um, I've been jumping between three three or four books at the moment um one of them is the fourth book in the wheel of time the shadow rising it is oh my god it's so good it's so so good um the second malazan book malazan book however you want to pronounce it that's also so so good um the third one is one that i've been anticipating for the last month and with the lack of sleep i've been having i've only managed to read two pages um and that is breach of peace by our favorite youtuber daniel green ah yes uh i've been meaning to pick that up or touch it in some way but i uh, haven't for some time um what uh so you've only read a couple of pages um yeah. so what's the setup i suppose um, I mean, it's very difficult to say at the moment, uh, other than a family has clearly been murdered and there's like a police force kind of investigating that 
and I, I want a full review of the book just off the first two pages. <laughs> I mean, I'm intrigued. So, and I'm okay, sure if that's... I was, I'm sure if I was more awake, I'd be more. I probably would have finished it because my plan was to just bust out in like a couple of hours because it's only like 98 pages, which is it's fine. Yeah, it's um, a, it's more of like a novella. Yeah, right? I think. Um, if you if you've heard Ella. of the uh, yeah. Murderbot series by Martha Wells, um, like that whole setup was, I think it was three or four novellas, and then it led into a like full novel. And it sound it sounds like Daniel Green's going down that route. Like I know he's planned three novellas, which I believe he said then leads into like a full fledged beefy novel, which. It's similar I mean, it's to uh, how the Witcher novels started. Yeah, like because that was uh, two books of short stories, and then the main saga. And I mean, arguably, the uh, short stories were much better than the main series. Um, don't at me. I mean, at me if you want. <laughs> um, yeah, I have only read the short stories because that's chronologically the first, uh, yeah. and. Thoroughly enjoyed them, so um, I can only hope. Um, I like Yennefer. She is Ooh, cool. She's a. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I like everyone. Like, there's not a character I I dislike in those books. If there is, I can't remember who they are. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so Daniel Green book, uh, the jury's still out by the sounds of it. Um, Wheel of Time uh, is one that I, I know that you've loved for a long time. So, uh, I or at least for the last couple of months, uh, yeah. as you've been reading it. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, you watched the Snyder Cut recently. How oh was that? God, yeah. That was, oh my god, it was so fucking good. Like, it it's weird because uh, the main criticism I see is that oh, it's almost four hours long, uh, it's too long, and it's like, mate, shut up. Like, if I wasn't watching this four hour cut of a film, I would be sat here watching the entirety of Peep Show in one sitting, which is, you know, a good eight hours. And this yeah, I true. mean, I do that. I do that on a weekly basis at the moment. So it four hours is nothing, mate. Come on. <laughs> yeah, the, I, the film, the film itself, I I really enjoyed it, and I I, I don't want to say any more because I know you've you've not seen it, but um, I yeah. haven't. I'm very curious to see how much has been added because I've heard that there is a lot of change. Mate, it's um, it's a completely different film, like. Do you, do you remember when we when we saw it and there there were the posters like uh, you can't save the world alone and we jokingly said you can't save the world alone unless you're Superman because <laughs> that's I do how remember it that. Felt. yeah like I I just remember that being like the main issue I guess with the film um, among other things um, but yeah like that's I, I just <sighs> watch it. <laughs> do you think if they originally released this cut of the film it would have been uh, more successful 
I mean, probably not because I know I, I feel like you know Batman v Superman, for example. I I remember loving it when it came out. Um, I think you were very much in the same boat. Like it's not as it's nowhere near as bad as anyone makes out to be. And I, I feel like it would have been the same with the Snyder Cut Justice League if that came out as intended. I I, mm. I don't know. It probably would have. I know. I I feel like the the theatrical cut and the whole you know release the Snyder Cut movement around it is what made it possibly popular and more appreciated. I guess. Yeah. I can I can get behind that. Um, I think. Um... It's a, it's a really weird one, like the the Snyderverse, if that's what you want to call it, um, of the of the DC universe. Um, I feel like they are they're quite complex films, um, and I feel like criticism of them often gets distilled down into kind of memes. Yeah. Um, of just like oh, Superman mustache. Uh, stuff or the Martha stuff. Um, when I think there is, there is, I think it, it's a bit more nuanced than that. Um, mm. I think that um, there are there's good points and bad points to those films, but there are also if you want if you want to make the comparison, and and I think it's almost a disservice really to make the comparison. There are problems with Marvel films. There's problems with other superhero films, like, um, and and I think that Snyder's take on it is uh, trying to be something very different to the Avengers films. Yeah. Um, I mean, from talking to people when uh, Batman v Superman came out, a lot of the criticism towards it was like, "Oh, it's it's not funny and stuff," you know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, well, yeah. I'm in that kind of camp of people that were like, I don't want it. To, it doesn't have to be Marvel. They're not. Yes, they're popular, but they don't set the standard of how every film should be. And it's kind of the same with like, oh, what was it like? Oh, sorry, I won't say their name, but like someone we lived with or you lived with in second year. I remember you telling me a story of uh, you watched, you started watching Pulp Fiction with them. And they got bored within like ten minutes because it wasn't like funny or quirky or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's. I don't know. I mean, I feel like stuff like the the Joker and Logan have opened people up more to the idea of like a a more serious superhero film. Yeah. Um, and I, and I wonder if that's contributed to the popularity of the Snyder Cut as well. Like, because I feel like Zack Snyder's vision for the DC universe is more in line with uh, those sort of films. Um, yeah. It's very strange that there's like the the popular appetite for uh, for cinema like changes. Because um, when you go back like a little bit before Avengers and kind of Iron Man era, you had stuff like The Dark Knight, which was extremely serious and was essentially an action film with a superhero veneer painted over it. Mm. Um, uh, and it's it's interesting to see that, that progression. And I think um, 
Batman v Superman. Obviously, yeah, there, there was like it, there was the Martha thing, but that's been around for ages in the comic books. Like it's just been a bit of fun nerd trivia. Um, I don't think two lines in a film can make a film bad. No. Um, and I saw a lot of criticism that distilled it down to that, and it's just like. Well, no. I mean, there was some really good bits. And to be perfectly honest, I think the casting of Lex Luthor um, was inspired as like a a kind of uh, modern day tech mogul. Definitely. Like, I mean, there's there's so much to say. And I honestly feel that we should just have a Snyder Cut episode. I mean, I know it's not. I know it has nothing to do with Dresden whatsoever, but I mean, we we could lead this into the announcement, I guess. But I also want to know what you are reading at the moment as well. Yeah, sure. Um, we did quick because I think uh, maybe last episode, maybe the one before, we we covered what we've been reading, and it, and it hasn't really changed much for me. Um, yeah, so I'm on uh, Dawn of X, Volume Thirteen. Um, which is, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. The, the X-Men lines at the moment, I can't rave about them enough. Um, I just feel like the, it's, they, they, the X-Men had this narrative for so long where they were like, it was like this last man standing thing where slowly but surely every mutant was dying. And there was only, there was a dwindling number of X-Men around in the Marvel universe. Um, and, and there's lots of different reasons for that. Um, but, uh, a a lot around kind of making the Inhumans more prominent and stuff. Um, but now that they've, they've come up with this kind of plot device that brings all of the mutants back, um, there are writers who have never had the chance to write for X Factor or for, uh, X-Force or for even characters like Cable or Nightcrawler, um, who are now getting the the chance to like do what they always wanted to do with it, um, and it's got a really it's got a really good feeling of inclusivity. Um, like there's there's a lot of talk around like because they're like a a new. Uh, nation in the the Dawn of X series, like what does that? Um, and and there are there are different species to humanity, so they they're like changing their their outlook on like culture and race and stuff. And like, should we have a mutant culture or should people take their home cultures with them? And and there's those sort of discussions and stuff, which are really interesting, like sci-fi concepts to explore. So I've been enjoying that. Um, Apart from that, uh, my main reading at the moment is uh, Icewind Dale, Ram the Frostmaiden, which is the D&D adventure that I'm running for uh, Rob and a bunch of others, um, which is a lot of fun. Um, And um, I've got the uh, ninth edition rulebook for uh, Warhammer, uh, forty thousand, and I am uh, I'm making my way through that slowly. Which, um, 
I mean, obviously there there is a lot of rules in it, but the other aspect of it is there's loads of background and lore in there. Um, oh. That's super interesting. It is so cool, um, and I'm seriously enjoying it. Um, so yeah, that's that's really where where I'm at at the moment. Shall we make an announcement, Rob? Yeah, let's make an announcement. Okay, um, I'm going to hand hand the, the reins over to you on this one, man. Um, announce away. Sweet. Well, I've been teasing um, a big announcement on social media for, it feels like forever, but it's probably only been a few days, probably a week, maybe two weeks. Um, and yeah, that, the, that announcement is, we'll, we're, announce, we're making the initial announcement here, and then next episode we'll go into a bit more detail because... West slutty teasers like that, but um, yeah, the 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 bare bones of it is uh, we're launching a Patreon on the anniversary of the show. So, shit, I think that's the fourteenth or fifteenth of April. Um, yeah, at the Indeed. moment where, yeah, it's hope hopefully it's exciting stuff. I think it's exciting. Uh, do you? <laughs> I do, um, and the, re- the reason that this is exciting, uh, we have a, a a pretty established fan base now, uh, which is is crazy to say because uh, both of us have said it various times that we didn't think that this was going to last past maybe Stormfront, maybe Full Moon, uh, and now we've got all the way to Deathmas. Um, and built up a, a little following. Um, it's it's awesome. It's so cool. And we want to do more. Um, we want to play the Dresden Files RPG. We want to uh, give you guys more content. We want to give you more ways to interact with us. Um, and we want to kind of build, build a community, um, build uh, ways for you guys to get in contact with us um, and and discuss kind of Dresden Files stuff uh, and ways for you guys to get in contact with each other because um, our little Paranet community um, is is lovely, but we want to we wanna make a place where we can all geek out about Dresden Files together, to be perfectly honest, and anything else, comic books and, and sci-fi and stuff, but obviously Dresden is kind of the core of that. Um, and myself and Rob both have uh, crazy, quite busy lives. Uh, Rob, uh, obviously, doing his masters, and, and myself uh, with uh, my marketing uh, role. Um, so we uh, need, we basically need to prioritize this over other creative projects um, and. Uh, other stuff really um and the only way that we can really do that is if there's a there's a little bit of uh of money behind it that we can then um channel into paying for stuff like the the podcast stuff paying for better uh like recording um equipment stuff like that um paying for uh all the like assets and things that we might want for uh like the dresden files rpg um even uh like being able to get other guests involved and stuff that's going to require 
uh, like expansion to some of our recording accounts that we've been using. So um, we we just need uh, to we need uh, help from you guys to then be able to offer you guys more content. The more that that gets put in, the more that we'll be able to offer out to to the community. And um, we're we're committed to this. It's I think uh, a year of doing this has at least shown that that we will be here talking about Dresden Files as long as we possibly can. Um, and if you uh, want more than that, then uh, we're going to set something up that will allow you to get more than that. And if you uh, just want to keep listening to us, that's also great and a great way to support the show. I think that covers everything we want to say for now, Rob? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, like I say, we'll be teasing it um over the next couple of days especially and then next episode i imagine we'll go into a bit more depth uh breaking down each tier and all that kind of stuff uh we we feel like we've got it finalized but we probably need to have a little bit more of a not discussion just kind of run through it and confirm everything everything's doable everything's as good as it can be i guess going forward so yeah that's uh that's that. Yes. Oh, and it's my birthday on Friday as well. So, uh, I mean, that's <laughs> if you care, you know. <laughs> the it's other thing I, I was going to say, um, and and don't worry, viewers, I have an incredible present for Rob for his birthday. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it on the next episode. Um, but, um, the other thing I was going to say is that uh, we definitely we want to work with the community on this uh, more than anything. Um, we want to hear from you what you guys want from us, um, what we could what we can deliver for you. Um, and once we actually get the Patreon on, uh, up and running and we've got the different tiers and stuff, we would love to hear from you guys if you feel that the Patreon is kind of pitched at the right level and stuff, or if you think. Uh, we should be offering more if we think that you guys should be paying more or less or all those sort of discussions. Um, we we want to have have those talks because we want to we essentially want to work with you guys to make Paranetwork uh, Paranet Podcast um, a bigger uh, thing in general. Sorry, I'm just looking at the Paranetworking section. That's why I said that. Um, but yeah, we we we, we want to make a network with all of us uh, in it. Uh, and that works for everyone uh, with me and Rob kind of at the center. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So uh, rolling on to the Dresden Files book club. Um, so uh, Dresden Files book club, uh, you guys know the spiel by now. Me and Rob, we're doing our thing. Uh, we are uh, reading uh, and playing and uh, generally interacting with every piece of Dresden Files media from start to finish in chronological order. Oh my God, there's a lot of it. Um, and uh, we are currently on the fifth book of the series, Death Mass. Uh, every episode we talk about uh, whatever we covered last time, which is normally a last, 
last four chapters that we talked about and then we go into the new stuff and then we do a little bit of breakdown if it's the book or a comic book then we do a bit of like uh, literary criticism talking about our favorite points talking about what they could mean for uh dresden files uh if there's any kind of um things to watch out for for later in the series things like that uh also just generally geeking out on stuff we often slide into uh other stuff that we we enjoy um yeah and and that that is how the paranet do um so last time on the dresden files chapter nine Dresden talks about the nature of time and prophecy in his universe. He then makes a potion to resist the Red Court's venom. McCoy calls and offers to call off the duel with the Red Court. However, Dresden refuses. McCoy asks Dresden about a telescope they used when Harry was studying with McCoy. Harry takes it as an offer of safe harbour and declines. Bob then turns up at Harry's apartment, shredded by Marcone's wards within the city. Dresden lets him rest and realises that his own wards are going off, and something big is coming. That takes him to chapter 10. Dresden talks to Kincaid and the Archive through his door, and after documents have been shown, he lets Ivy, the Archive, come in and locks Kincaid outside. The Archive explains who she is, the sum total of all human knowledge. Dresden nicknames her Ivy. Ivy gives some of her history and explains that her mother is now in a coma after transferring her mantle as the Archive to Ivy. Ivy tells Dresden he must select the type of jewel with Ortega. Dresden picks magic, knowing that Duke Ortega will smack it down, but it might help Harry play for time. Ivy then tells Harry that he must have a second ready in the duel in the next 24 hours or he will forfeit and Ivy will be forced to kill Harry. And Harry believes it as well. She is more than capable of destroying a Wizard of the White Court. That takes us to chapter 11. Ivy and Kincaid leave. Harry checks in with Father Vincent and asks the Padre to find some scraps of the Shroud to verify that the Shroud is the Shroud when Harry finds it. Harry calls the Carpenters and talks to Molly for the first time. Michael isn't in, and so Harry has to talk to Charity, his worst nightmare. He asks Charity to pass a message to Michael that he needs Mike to be his second. Harry ends the call thinking that Charity will not pass on the message as she would not want Michael to get hurt and probably does want Harry to get hurt. Chapter 12 takes us to Burnham Harbour to follow a lead. Harry, uh, heeding the word of the Oracle, uh, finds a boat called the Atranger and sneaks aboard. After searching for a while, he finds the shroud, but also finds that he has been trapped by the church mice. They handcuff him and start to interrogate him. It's clear they are unaware of magic. Harry tells them that Gaston is dead. No one dies like Gaston. And they seem rather upset. They make plans to leave and tell Harry to handcuff himself near some stairs. As Harry goes to do so, he sees that a denarian is attacking the boat. And that takes us to this time on Dresden Files. Over to you, Rob.
Oh man. Oh man. Um, chapter 13 kicks off with where we left off, naturally. Um, like, just fucking havoc and chaos ensue as this Denarian's just fucking tearing shit up left and right. Um, in, in the ensuing chaos, Fran, it's so weird, like, I know it's Francesca, but like, the, the fucking, like, pronunciation, he says it is Francisca, and I need to check the fucking print book, and that's a lot of F-bombs. <laughs> because it's really, it bug, oh, it just bugs me, sorry. Um, Francisca, Francesca, right. whatever you want friggin' call her, she's killed in the chaos, which is bloody unfortunate, because I don't remember her dying. Um, and yeah, with some quick thinking, with some quick thinking from Anna and Harry, they managed to trick the uh, Denarian into taking the fake shroud, which is just as well. Um, the boat is like damaged from all this, obviously, and starts you know a lot of water is uh, leaking in. It's not having a good time. It's a boat that's never having a good time, and um, like Anna like twats Harry over the head and takes up like just belts out of there with the real shroud um harry manages to kind of come around gets out of the handcuffs and all that kind of stuff and grabs a few things from the boat before bailing um and then we roll into chapter 14 where we have harry catching up a bit with um father vincent and the, oh man th this threw me because I, I forgot father vincent was a character and thought it was father fort hill and i was like why is he being such a dickhead <laughs> why, why is Father Porthill such a dick? And, and also because it's the audiobook, he's got like quite a different accent as well. And I was like, oh, yeah. this is weird. Like, what what have I missed? Um, yeah, like Harry catches up with Father Vincent, and Vincent is displeased, you could say, that uh, Harry failed to get the actual shroud. Which, you know, I mean, if it was easy, he'd do it himself. Um, <laughs> Harry checks the like the like he when when he swiped a bunch of stuff from the boat. One of the items was a notepad, um, which he you know classically took from the boat. Um, and on this, it's written down Marriott twenty three forty five on the pad. Um, he also took a cell phone, which he decides to give to Murphy a little bit later down the line to investigate. Um, we also get a phone call from our favourite character, everyone's favourite uh, Waldo Butters and he calls Harry to explain that the germs on the corpse, you know the corpse that's been riddled with like every disease all at once all of the germs have vanished and Harry explains that's because you know, they were magic and the sun rising all that kind of luck probably dispelled them um, and Susan rocks up and she's like, oh yeah I'm not in a relationship with Martin, but I am taking this job in Peru. Uh, you, can come, <laughs> you can come with me if you want. And he's like, nah, I can't go to Peru on my gap yard. i got to stay here in Chicago because people get hurt and die without me. And it, it's it's such a weird thing because she's like, you know, come with me. And he's like, oh, no, I want to stay in Chicago. But if you leave, I'll, I'll be very hurt. At least that's how I kind of took it. Um they agree. Yeah, I, I'm, I'd agree. Really. Yeah. It. It. I know. It's just. We'll get onto it in the, the lit stuff. But um, it's 
Sorry, I've lost lost my train of thought. Um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they they agree that it would be unfair on both of them to kind of stay together in any kind of relationship, and that they'd be better off apart and alone. Um, and she she agrees to go on a to help. Weirdly, despite that, she agrees to help him with the case, and she offers yeah. to go down to the yeah. Which I'm make up your mind, woman. Um. She offers to go down to the Marriott Hotel to chase up a lead and all that kind of shit. And Harry's like, yeah, sure, and then falls asleep, which, you know, I, yeah, I do that mid-conversation. That's how I finish. I can confirm this, listeners. <laughs> I did it right now. Um, chapter <laughs> 15. Harry has some weird dreams. Luckily, they're not as weird as the dream sections we've had in previous books, I think. So... It didn't really. Okay. I mean, it, it, I mean, that's just that's just me. I think maybe I've just become used to his weird dreams now. That I no longer <laughs> find any of them strange. Um, I'm immune to these dreams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. He 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 wake when when he wakes up like, um, you know, his alarm goes off and he he goes to head to Michael's house, uh, the carpenter house, I guess, and no no one's around at this point. Um, I can't remember if like charities are doing a school run or whatever. But in, in any case, Harry ends up uh, doing like general chores, I think. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, in any case, Harry runs into Molly Carpenter, who I think was introduced in the previous episode we did. Um, she was, yes. Yeah, and they have a bit of a <laughs> very in- intense conversation about you know Harry and Susan's relationship and all that kind of stuff and it it's it's all very weird cuz he cuz he's still got the handcuff on from uh, uh the boat situation and Molly's giving him all this kind of like oh, I don't know how to word it giving him like all this like snark and all that kind of stuff about mm. oh, what you've been up to you know thinking it's uh, you know suggesting he wasn't tied up on a boat fighting for his life um, yeah, and you know, it's, it's suggesting and hinting that you know, why didn't you just tie Susan up? And it all gets a bit bizarre. Um, and yeah, it's he's kind. Of, Harry, it's, it's quite a comedic moment as well because Harry's like, "Oh, why are you giving me advice? You're like ten and she's like, "Ugh, I'm fourteen, actually." As if you know, <laughs> what's the difference? Am I right? Yeah. Um, you're not a real person until you're 15 or 16. At least that's how it felt for me. Um, I mean, you're still playing the tutorial at that point. Yeah, I mean, it's debatable whether I'm a real person now, so. Who knows? Um, sorry? I, I was just saying, who knows? Um, we're just <laughs> Voices on a computer, but let's continue. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Charity arrives with all the kids, and yeah, Harry, Harry helps get them all, get her inside, get them all inside, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and she she's still being her fun self, you know, giving Harry bullshit. Which I mean, it, it it's weird because when I first read this, I thought she was just being a bitch the whole time, and uh, arguably she kind of is, but. I feel like this time round, I can kind of see her point much more. 
I mean, I still think she's over, yeah. not overreacting, but being unnecessarily a bit of a dickhead. But, eh, guess you only live once. Um, and yeah, I, my, Michael's off being a knight, because that's his thing. And then um, Shiro arrives as well. And oh man, I forgot how much I love Shiro. Shiro, Shiro, Shiro. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love the character because um, yeah, like just the whole thing where like he, he barely knows Harry, Harry barely knows him, and like he just straight up volunteers to be like Harry's second, and then goes off to arrange the meeting, and it's just like oh okay. <laughs> it is very much. He's very much like. Yes, this is completely standard. Uh, Michael would do it. He's not here. Let's just get it over with. Uh... It really is. But um, he's like the—he's like if you had a friend group, he'd be like the designated dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the one who just Very kind of so. makes sure you don't vomit in your like you know get drunk and then vomit in your sleep. Make sure you're sleeping on your side. Make sure you get home safely and drink a pint of water first. That kind of <laughs> that kind of friend, you know. We all have one. Oh, I know. <laughs> I am not that friend. I should probably add. Um, chapter sixteen. No, R- Rob is definitely a a friend who just laughs at your misery. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Chapter sixteen. Um, Shiro tells Harry, you know, the meeting's time. It's in the evening because, funnily enough, Ortega is a vampire. Um, and also gives the location and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Harry leaves to kind of you know prepare for this whole thing, and runs into Murphy, who is kind of waiting around for him. Um, and she says that the oh sorry, and yeah, you know, it's mentioned that the um the weapon uh, used on the headless body was also used to kill Francisca Francesca. Uh, and she warns him that you know he was described as leaving the boat where you know, Francesca's body was found and all that kind of thing. And it, it kind of goes back to um, you know, the first two books where he, where he's involved in like all this shady business, and Murphy gives him grief for it, and then usually arrests him. Um, but luckily, this is kind of how far I feel like they've come at this point because. I think he even calls her out on it as well, being like, "Oh, does that mean you're going to arrest me now?" And he's like, "She's just like, no, I'm not going to arrest you, but you, you know that like, not telling me anything. It one, it looks shady, and two, it makes you an accessory to the crime. So I could arrest you, um, <laughs> but like I'm not going moment. to. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to, but I could, and that's what you need to know. Um, yeah." Uh, she she's been taken off the case as well, and she's also trying to ask Harry to stop pursuing it. I can't remember if that has anything to do with the prophecy thing. It it, it it it's weird because I don't really remember Murphy being around much in this book, so I guess that makes hmm. sense. Um, Harry, understandably, and being Harry anyway, just says I'm not you know backing down from this. Um, Murphy gives him a bit more information, like. Like that classic kind of trope of, um, you know, like, I can't give you this information, but if you happen to find out somehow it wasn't from me, like that kind of, like, shenanigan, which 
I, I love yeah. that kind of thing. I was jokingly talking to my spouse about it earlier. Um, and at this point, Harry gets a phone call from Susan as well, and she's like, oh, we're, we're going on a date, basically. She doesn't say date, but they're going to... Um, like an art gala that's going on at the Marriott Hotel, and she's managed to grab hold of two tickets, which is fantastic, because who doesn't love an art gala? Um, mm. And Harry's, Harry has a meeting at the uh, McAnally's bar where, you know, you need to stock up on your ale and steak sandwiches somewhere, and Susan says that she'll meet him there. And that is uh, where we wrap up chapter 16. Yeah, um, man, uh, cover some good stuff there. Um, I think the uh, the general kind of uh, the denarian stuff, um, uh, some of the like the interpersonal romantic stuff with Susan and Harry. Um, my one of my favorite scenes in this book is the treehouse scene with Molly, uh, just because it sets up so many things. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, Murphy getting involved, and um, there's a lot. Um, so how did you find it, Rob? I, oh man, like, I. If... I don't want to say, like, my usual thing of, like, I forgot this and how awesome it is, but I did forget how awesome this is, but, like, I, I, oh, man, like, I don't know if we've said it yet, but I just, I, uh, I can't, I can't get over how fast-paced this book is, it just feels, I don't know, compared, compared to all the others, like, I know, Summer Night especially, where something major would happen, and then, like, there's a bit of a, I guess, a cool-down period, you could say. It kind of gives you that time mm. to just kind of, you've just been hit with this knowledge. Now take a seat, have a drink, and then you know, we'll hit you with something else in about half an hour. Whereas this one's just like fucking beat after beat after beat. And it's, I, I, I'm mad. It's like ADHD if ADHD was a book. And it's it's so good. It's so fast-paced. It's, it's fast-paced without being like bad like that doesn't it doesn't hamper it if you follow what i'm trying to say yeah definitely <coughs> how, um, how did how, how did you find oh before i ask you that um i mean it's one of our talking points as well but the um denarium we see here compared to um ursial like the bear like one uh it's and it's something that i like going forward with all the other denarians that we come across as well but I love how they all have their own kind of gimmick, I guess. Gimmick's not the right way of putting it. But how they're, they're all different. They're not, it's not just like one size fits all kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's got that kind of, uh, I was going to say Mutants and X-Men, but I always use them. Uh, so we'll I, go, weirdly, I was like going to say that as well, but try to avoid it. Like the Ginyu Force. Um <laughs> <laughs> everyone has has their own their own talents um <laughs> um and uh yeah like um it's really interesting because um something that 
I mean, I, I don't think that this is explored so much uh, in stuff like the X Men, um, but there is there's something. Maybe I'm thinking like Power Rangers or something where it does this, but basically um, the powers that each of them have seem very tied into who they are. Yeah. Um, and their like personality, like Ursiel is a big fucking bear, and he acts like a big fucking bear. Um, and he goes around and tears shit up and acts like an animal. Um, whereas, um, do we get her name here? No, I I was going to ask you that. I don't think we do get it here. I think it's when, um, I think it's in a few chapters time she pops up again and she's then addressed by name. Um... Cool. We're gonna need. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out her name here just because it's gonna make conversation way yeah. easier to understand. That's um, fine. So uh, it's Deirdre. Yeah. Um, and Deirdre is a psychopath. She is a psychopath in uh, every sense of the word. She enjoys murder and killing and blood and guts and gore and most of the reason that she enjoys that is because she's been brought up by psychopaths and wants to um, please her parents and mentors and all that sort of stuff Um, but uh, her whole thing is that she's got this hair that is made of like razor thin metal uh, and she can stab it through people she can cut people in half with it. She can use it like Dr. Octopus uh, kind of uh, arms and stuff. Um, it, it, there's a couple of different like comic book characters and stuff like Medusa from the Inhumans and Dr. Octopus that she gets compared to a lot. But um, she's, yeah, basically like this hair whirlwind of death and chaos. And that reflects her personality. Internally, she is a whirlwind of death and chaos. Um and I think while the overall plan of the Denarians is quite complex, their actions um, and their, like, what they're into, essentially, um, is pretty straightforward. Um, each of them has kind of an, a domain of evil, evil, uh, that they uh, enjoy and uh, that they kind of perpetrate. Um, and Deirdre is just outright murder, uh, whereas uh, Ursula is kind of wrecking shop. And then we're going to cover, there's a lot of other Denarians that we'll cover throughout the series, and each of them kind of have their own way of things. And we'll, and we'll go back to this kind of idea of uh, what what is it that each of them bring to the table, I guess. Um, yeah, really, really cool. Uh, you, you asked me why, what I thought of these chapters, and... Um, honestly, uh, the the fight with Deirdre, brilliant and um, very interesting, and there's some great like Harry uh, and Anna Valmont thinking on the on their feet um, to distract this obviously more powerful villain uh, to escape from her. Um, but I think for me, what really makes this is the the kind of interpersonal scenes. Um, and that, that brings us on nicely to our next point, really, which is um, the whole 
uh, discussion uh, between Susan and Harry about Chicago and about Peru. Um, and essentially what it boils down to is Susan wants to go to Peru because she knows that where, that's where the Red Court is at its worst and she wants to fight them tooth and nail uh, with the abilities that she has. Um, and she asks Harry, knowing, I think, that it's going to be a no. I mean, she makes it sound like... Um, she makes it sound like an honest offer, and she does genuinely try to win him over. But I think she knows from the beginning that it's going to be a no. And the reason that I think that is that her next fallback is... Um, so you can't leave the city. And then she knows that what he's going to ask her, which is stay. And she basically says the same way that you can't leave the city. I can't leave this mission. Um, and I don't know. It's, I feel like um, it's people, it's people doing the dumb emotional thing instead of thinking it out. Like, is there a middle ground where Susan stays in the city for a while and they try and find a way that they can help the fight the Red Court from Chicago? Or Dresden goes down to Peru with her and they they do like a long distance thing? Or Dresden uh, goes down there and um, works out some way to kind of set up like magical communications, what have you? Probably. Um but I think um, there's there's a lot of emotion here that's kind of clouding judgment. And I think that they're both kind of like, maybe it's that a long distance kind of thing or whatever. They feel like it would be a slow death instead of an instant one to their relationship. Um, that's kind of the vibe that I get from it. How about yourself? I mean, I've said it in previous books i think like i don't really care for susan as a character like i i can't even remember why anymore i'm sure i gave a reason previously and we've gone into it quite a few times but it, i i don't know like of all the like romances he has within the series which i think is only like what three four three um it depends. It depends what you count. Uh, like, let's uh, let's say roughly three. <laughs> yeah, we'll settle on that for now, I guess. But uh, like of of all the uh, like kind of relationships, romances he has within the series, this is the only one that I feel doesn't. It doesn't feel as natural. I I, I don't know if that's because. It was still early days when it was introduced and all that kind of stuff, but I just don't find Susan that compelling as a character. So I just struggle to kind of give a shit about their relationship at times. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting one. Um, I'd be interested to see if, if Jim's ever said much about it, because I get the feeling that Jim doesn't really like her. Um... I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She gets kind of ushered off to the side for a couple of books, pops up for a bit, and then gets ushered off again. Uh, I mean, she, she arguably gets like written out of the third book 
with the whole vampire thing. She wasn't in book four. Now she's here. And then I don't think she appears again until like book 12. Yeah. So <laughs> make of that what you will. But it, do, <laughs> it does just feel a little bit like Jim's like not super into the character. But um, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but the situation with uh, Harry can't leave Chicago, Susan can't um, help but um, want to go and fight in Peru. Um, I guess, uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, it, it kind of following on my previous comment about not giving a hoot about their relationship. <laughs> The whole. So the really, whole what I'm saying is, I just don't, I don't care for this and whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I mean, the whole comment—it just seems a bit, I don't know, like juvenile. I guess, like. I, I get that. I, yeah. I, 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 although hmm, maybe not. I was just trying to think of like, I was about to say, I've never had a conversation with Kerry, for example, where we've been like, oh, like, I can't help you do this, but I'm going to offer you some help anyway, and then just. <laughs> did some shit but then i was like it kind of actually reminds me now of um you, you know when you're like oh what do you want for dinner tonight oh, i don't know what do you want you decide well that no i asked first and it's it's kind of like that but up a few notches i guess i mean so i kind of i make it makes me think about when we were friends in in university and you used to say that because uh, like rob's ancient you must understand listeners um and is several years older than uh, than me um and <laughs> i would, so, i was still like 20ish and could be quite like me me and my friends other friends at the time yeah uh, rob's not my friend uh no uh, me and my other friends <laughs> at the time were all like 20 and were very like i don't know used to say that we were very one tree hill um, oh, yeah. which I think must be a, a reference from the historical records. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the OC, Pat. I know what it's like up north. <laughs> um, but yeah, it does feel it feels very teenage. Uh, they're like, <laughs> no, but I like my chemical romance, and you'll never understand that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh man. Um, I, well, I I mean, it kind of reminds me of, like a peep show response to it is like they're just kind of like, oh, leave with me to Chicago. I can't leave with you because people will die. And I, I just hear like Mark Corrigan's voice just being like, I don't have time for your domestic bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I guess like they're all emotional and haven't seen each other for a while, and and there's that kind of aspect playing out. But I, I do see see where you're coming from. Um, <laughs> speaking of female characters with a romantic connection to Harry, um, Harry and Molly. Um, moving over to uh, to the Carpenters. Um, we get our first really proper interaction between Harry and Molly, um, and I, I do feel bad, 
bringing up the romantic side at this point maybe isn't isn't right, but it is obvious that she has a crush on Harry. So there is some hmm. there's there's something on her side, but obviously yes, she is extremely young, and that is not reciprocated, and Harry does only see her as a child, and that's something that continues throughout the entire series. Um, I mean, I like the uh, scene overall. It's, I mean, I, I think it's because when when I first read it, I, I kind of knew a few spoilers regarding you know Molly Carpenter being a bigger character uh, within the series, and I think, and I, I think the first time I read it, that's why I just kind of brushed a lot of it off. I guess I just kind of already viewed it as, um, sorry, my dog was going ape shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that came up on the recording, but just in case. It didn't, but it's okay. But I mean, yeah, I mean, knowing Molly Carpenter's a bigger character within the series, I kind of, I know her introduction kind of was making, oh, I, I know of this character. So the whole age thing and knowing how the series works, where it's like each book is kind of like a year or like not, you know, like half a year to a year passes. Yeah. I kind of, and you know also knowing that there was like sixteen books or some shit at this point, I kind of already accepted that the character was probably closer to my age. I think, uh, if you went in real time, I guess per book, um, so I was kind of like obviously nothing weird is going to happen here, or at all maybe, like, but I know I've lost my train of thought entirely now. <laughs> the the fact is but, like, I mean, that I... we like. I know what you mean is that uh, this is laying seeds for like a longer term thing. Um, I mean, I, I guess a way of wording it would be, and I, no, I feel this is still going to come across weird, but I feel as an introduction for the character, like I mean, if if you made no reference to her age at all, like if she didn't specify she was fourteen, and you just knew that the carpenters had uh, two older children. Who are like? Because I think one of them's a similar kind of age to Molly, isn't? Aren't they like a bit older, maybe, or a bit younger? A bit younger. I think Molly is the oldest, and then is it yeah. Daniel Carpenter? Yeah, that's what I want to go with. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, like, you you could remove the age of the character and just make no mention to it. And given how Jim writes the character, how how they talk, how they're described with their body language and all that kind of thing it it perceives to me someone who is not not old but like if you'd kind of assume like late teens early 20s at an absolute push yeah so i think i think that's why i didn't find it too because it's got a kind of adult voice to it i guess anyway i mean um there is very much like an aspect to this as well, where Molly, I think, is trying to sound old. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Like, so she she asks Harry about Susan uh, because she says that she's heard from her mom and dad them talking. Um, she basically works out that um, there's issues between Harry and Susan and stuff. And first, Harry's like, why do you want to know? And she comes back with, I like romance. Uh, mm. Which is a bit... Mm. Uh, and then... Um, 
she basically uh, talks to Harry about like how she's found out about this and stuff like that. Uh, and then Harry's like trying very hard to be the adult in the situation, and is just like, yeah, uh, I guess there's like impulse control issues. She can't have strong emotions uh, without things becoming dangerous. She could lose control and hurt someone. Um, and uh, like Molly starts giving Harry like sexual advice, basically. Mm. And ha- and Harry's Harry's first thing is to put his hands over his ears and just go ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I I love Molly just comes back with, we can just say bleep instead of the fun words. Uh. <laughs> um which is that that's a that's great but um yeah uh and and harry eventually says this conversation has become way too bleeping disturbing um and you just get a real feeling of like (sighs) harry's uh harry has some immaturity when it comes to like relationships and how he is and in some ways this young girl is more mature than he is about things. She's like quite matter of fact about it. Yeah. Um, but part of that is because she's trying to come across as older and um, it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting scene. Um, and I think it, it introduces Molly quite well. And there's some nice, like they, they go back and forth with a couple of like references to like films and stuff. We find out that Molly has been, sneaking into school on the days when charity doesn't take her there um and uh, in like full like goth gear with like a nose ring and and eye rings and stuff and then she has a spare change of clothes in the tree house to change into um uh which is that's that's uh it just shows that like this kid has found ways around charity carpenter who dresden dreads uh, more than anyone yeah. else, so um, there is a. It's it's a really interesting dynamic, I guess that that is being set up here, and it only gets more interesting as we go, I guess. Hmm. I mean, kind of uh, following on from that, what did you think of Charity in this uh, chapter? One of my favorite Charity Carpenter quotes, uh, and I'm just going to see if I can find it very quickly. Um, is when Dresden is like, you do not want me around much longer. Uh, why would you ever, ever want to help me survive? Um, and Charity is, like looks at him completely confused um, and is like, I'm, I'm almost there. Uh Um, hero. Da, 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 da. Um, so yeah, charity confronts him about how many times that Michael's been hurt. Um, yeah, here we go. So uh, Dresden says you could have lied, and her face uh, registers comprehension. Some fire comes back into her eyes, and she says. I don't like you, Mr. Dresden. 
I certainly don't care enough for you to abandon beliefs I hold dear, to use you as an excuse to cheapen myself, or to betray what my husband stands for. Um, and then he says, so you're taking care of me? And she says, I don't expect you to understand whether or not I can personally stand you. It has no bearing on what choices I make. Michael is your friend. He would risk his life for you. It would break his heart if you came to grief, and I will not allow it to happen. Um, yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah, and that's that's just like Charity Carpenter in a in a few sentences, really. Um, like it, I I absolutely love that from her because it just explains it explains everything. She she stands for what her and her husband believe, and she's not going to put anything above that. And and I just love the idea of like I don't like you enough to change those beliefs those beliefs um mm. in any way um i think that that's that's a great moment um the the rest of the, the section with charity carpenter just shows kind of her uh devotion and support of michael um also and i don't think there was any disputes this anyway but she's she's badass she's making it work with uh several kids um and fully kind of understands the depths of what Harry fights, what Michael deals with, um, and she obviously has enough sway that Shiro listens to her as the head of the Knights of the Cross. Um, yeah. Which I think again indicates that like she is a big, uh, a big player, uh, at least in their circle. Um, and that's quite interesting. Absolutely agree. Uh, their re- their relationship is probably a highlight of the series for me, at least early on, because I know it, it feels it feels kind kind of this scene highlights it, especially come to think of it. The whole all, all you kind of get is she hates Harry, but then with each appearance, it's kind of you get more of that kind of reasoning, like the whole kind of thing of like oh, I'm taking care of you because you know Michael. You know, you're Michael's friend. If something happened to you, then he'd, you know, be distraught. Um, and it, it's always that kind of level of like thing. Whenever Dresden tries to bitch back at her, she turns around and hits him with something like that, and you're just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Clearly, I can't be angry of you. And I think it's it's good as well for there to be a character that pushes back on Dresden. Um, he has a lot of friends and a lot of people that will support him no matter what. And it's good to see someone who's like, I'm not buying into what you're selling. Um, mm. And and pushes back a little more. And then, of course, we we get points later on where they they come to more, more of a mutual understanding and that relationship develops. And that makes it so much more powerful because it's like, yeah, she did not always have your back, um, but now she now now she does because like what you're believing in changes and and there's a lot of different aspects to it um which really it's really cool it's really cool and like you say it's a highlight of the series certainly um yeah uh, and then uh, the final section is just murphy and harry um and i think it it's a, a testament to how their relationship has developed here that she's not hauling his ass into the station she's not trying to arrest Harry. Um, 
it's a, a secret, like under the table tip off, uh, and a warning that you could get into serious trouble. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, how did you find the scene with with Murphy and Harry? It's, I know, like it's one of those because. Like I kind of mentioned in the uh, chapter summary, she's not a big part of this book. At least in my memory of this book, she she doesn't. She's just kind of a guest star in this one. She kind of pops up. It's like there just to kind of remind you that she's here, but she doesn't take part in the main quest. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but that's just my memory of the book. So this kind of scene, it it feels like you could cut it from the book, and it wouldn't really change much but at the same time like be- because we constantly do the whole what we call like relationship check-in uh, <laughs> I-, I i like it because of that like the whole thing of um oh y- you were seen at the murder scene fleeing mm. um and 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 harry's like oh you- and what and she's like well you didn't you, you said you'd be straight with me so uh you know, this doesn't look good. You were seen fleeing a murder scene, blah, 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 blah. And, and he, he interrupts and just chimes in with like, oh, you're going to arrest me then. And it, it's true, like, the whole thing of, um, you know, if this was book one, two, possibly at push three, she probably would have turned around and done exactly that. And pretty fucking aggressively as well. Whereas here she's just like, no, I mean, I, I should because, you know, it makes you an accessory to the crime. Mm-hmm. But, and I think it, it just shows that kind of, you know, where they're at in their relationship at this point. Um, it's definitely more, not relaxed, but more of a working partnership, I guess, than it was. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and I think that that's, it, it's these evolutions and these little steps and little moments that make the series what it is. Uh, and it's what we love about it, really. Agreed. Right. Agreed. Um, I think that's about it, really, for this one. Yeah. I believe so. Um, Do you want to yeah. uh, take us out? <laughs> yeah, um, as always, thank you for all the support. We, we've scraped 4,500 downloads and we're climbing ever higher. Um, like I say, next week we'll be doing uh, chapters, I can't count, 17, 18, 19, and 20 of Death Masks. Um, share, follow, subscribe. Uh, it's my birthday on Friday, so please send me presents. Um, and we'll give you more slutty information about our Patreon next episode, uh, I guess. Um, yeah, and you've been listening to the Paranet Podcast. And we are your glorious hosts, me, Rob Davis, and me, Patrick Learn. And we will see you next time. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Bye.